it's Rhonda Shortino. Thank you so much for joining me for Live, Love, Survive, and Thrive. I know there's lots of other stuff that you could be listening to, but this podcast is for you. It's to help you live an amazing life, the life that you were born to live. It's to help you love, to put your love into action, because that will change your life and the lives of everyone within your influence. It's to help you survive the tough times and to help you mine the lessons out of everything you go through, especially the most painful stuff that you go through, and to use those exact things to thrive. Let's dive in now to a conversation we had with Wayne Tesh, co-founder, along with his wife, Diane, of Royal Family Kids back in 1985. I want to know why they did it and how in the world did they take it worldwide? Tell me why you and Diane felt like you should leave your jobs and completely change your life and do something for kids who'd been abused and were in foster care. Rhonda, what a pleasure it is to just share a few moments with you. I, I've always looked forward to our coffee times and to just be able to sit down like this and in this situation that we find ourselves in, to be able to sit down and just chit-chat like this. So it, it goes way back before 1985. I, I think if we've got to understand that God works in mysterious ways. And I was a young 12-year-old kid at a campground in upstate New York. And it, I'll always remember this, it was a Thursday night and I happened to ask God, I said, Lord, I'm 12 years old, Jesus knew what he was gonna do in a life, he was gonna do your business, what am I supposed to do? And it was at that moment that, I know this sounds crazy and not everybody does it this way or has this experience, but I had a one of those Pauline experiences where I had a vision of children's faces thousands of them, children from, you know, Hispanic, Asian, Caucasian, uh, Black, they were all children of God in a vision. And God, at that moment, called me into the ministry. And I'll, I'll always recall when my mom came to pick me up on Saturday, she said, what happened at camp? And I said, mom, God's called me into the ministry and I'm going to uh, work with children. I have to go to California and make it happen. And I'm in upstate New York at the time. As twelve year, as a twelve year old boy, so you know sometimes people don't look back at their childhood. They try to evaluate everything from where they are today. And I would always suggest and encourage people to go back into their childhood and see what the dreams were when they were children, and see how that has worked out and how that's been flushed out in their lives. So um, make long story short, uh, when I was 24, I moved to California. I had never been a minister before. I had graduated from college with a, a dual degree in physical education and biblical studies. I thought I was going to teach the Eskimos how to play basketball. I was clueless as to how all that was going to work. And I sit down, I sit down on, at my eight-foot folding table as a desk and a folding chair as my desk chair. And I, I'll always recall this. I said, dear God, I've never been a minister before. What am I supposed to do? And it was as though that dream came back 12 years previously. 
and I saw children's faces and I said, hmm, I, I found God at camp or God found me, however that works. And I said, why don't I set up a camp? So we started our what I call normal camps at uh, Newport Mesa at the time. And I just thought it was really kind of exciting to be part of that. So 12 years from that, when I was 36, we started our first Royal Family Kids Camp. And it was... Um, it was kind of exciting for me at, at, during that week. Uh, I'm, I'm in the chapel in Pinecrest. I think you've been there, uh, Rhonda. And here I am. It's a Thursday night again. And I look out over the audience of 37 foster children. They were Blacks, Hispanic, Asian, Caucasian children. And, and they were living and breathing. And I felt that the Lord was speaking to me then. Wayne, this is your purpose. This is, what God, this is what I have called you to do. This is the fulfillment. This is the beginning. That whole story took, you know, from 24 years, from 12 to 36. And then we stayed another five, six years, and we, uh, we left to do it full-time. Diane and I left full-time to start Royal Family. But it started with 37 children, a small dream, but it was all preparation. Uh, and what happens is that I love the book, um, The Making of a Leader by um, Bobby Clinton. And he says to, uh, he says in it, he says, when your past and your future collide in the present, that's when you know that God is calling you to do something of significance. Mm. And it's in that moment of the present that you see your future and you see your past and it just comes together. And I think most people have those experiences. It's just that we don't recognize them in our lives. So that's a long ways to go around it. But that's the essence of how we got into it. I, Wayne, I just have to go back for a second. So you're 36. You do that first camp. You walk in. And the kids sitting right there. Yeah are exactly the faces you saw when you were 12 years old. I wouldn't say exactly the faces, but, but, it, but the, was, the concept. It was the vision. Hispanic, Asian, the, the vision was fulfillment. It, it was living and breathing at that time. Right in front of you. I mean, clear as day. Right, right there. And, and, I, and the call of God came, this is what I have prepared you to do. And I'll, and like Mary, I held it to myself for a while because I was just so overwhelmed. But when I started to do the difficult work of looking back and how all this came about, how can you not express it to recognize that God is leading and guiding and directing you to do those things? It always begins. Every dream begins with the call of God. You know, that's, it begins with the call. It, and the call, you don't know what it is. It could be just fulfilling the need. Yeah, it could just be a, 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 just start where you are and God will take you from there. Yeah. So uh, say that again. It's where your, where your past. And where your past and your future collide in the present. That's when you know that you know that God is calling you to do what he wants you to do. You're in his purpose when your past and your future collide in the present. 
Wow. It's in that moment that you recognize that God is calling you and has given you a purpose and a dream and a, uh, an opportunity for you to step out and do something significant for him. Yeah, yeah. So then, all right, I mean, I don't know how to, how to condense the rest of this history into a, a little bitty interview. I feel like we could talk for five years about all the stories and everything, because here you are now, fast forward, you went from that first camp when you're 36 years old to now you have royal family in 13 countries. Tell me if I'm wrong, but this is what I remember. 13 different countries, over 17,000 volunteers, over 2 million volunteer hours every single year. And, and, and those are just the, the measurable numbers. And then you've got all this stuff where that, that I, you maybe didn't even see coming you and Diane about people who volunteered winding up becoming foster parents and adopting kids out of foster care. And I know lots of your volunteers changed their college majors and became social workers and all of that. How, how did that all happen? Well, well, I believe that if you are, if you fulfill what God wants you to fulfill, he gives you added blessings. Mm. And it's not something that you chase. It's just something that happens. And one of the things that I have found very enlightening is uh, we have about anywhere from 100 foster parents a year that step into foster parenting. And the other thing is, that gets me is that we end up with about 50, foster, 50 individuals or couples that adopt every year. So you begin to roll those numbers uh very significant and the thing is it it doesn't happen until they become involved and they see the kids up close personal in the great cathedral of the outdoors all of a sudden something happens to them and they know that they know that they need to do something so it's kind of enlightening mm. just remarkable i love it you know um one of the things that I thought was really amazing, um, Wayne, and, and you, you're, you're sort of speaking in a tapestry language, meaning that you were, you know, the past and, and the future and, and, and being in the middle. And so um, wh where did courage fit in for you and Diane? Where did courage and, you know, if in the moments when you had the limiting beliefs and obviously your faith is what drove you and you knew it was your call, but I'm sure you fought some of those things. You know, just like people today are, are, are you know, wondering how to, how to get courage in, in times when it seemed unreal to you or how it was going to be. How did courage and all of that fit in? Motivation? and well, I always had motivation. And I always had the call of God in my life. And the preparation time for that is really unbelievable. It, it's long you don't recognize that it's happening. Uh, you don't just one day wake up and say, okay, I have courage to step out in faith and believe that God's going to do something. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't just like that, though it, in many ways it was. It started when I went to college and I didn't have any funding or finances. And all of a sudden I, I would go to the mailbox and 
I had opened up my mailbox in college and there was a check from someone. And, and I remember the overwhelming sense that God was calling me to develop this part of faith in my life when I was in college. So it, when it came to leaving a job to do something for, for the Lord, I had that confidence that God has done it in the past. He's, took, he's taken good care of me uh, in more ways than one. And now it's easy to step out in faith to make this happen. But there's always stories. And, and that's what I always like to talk about with people. You got, you'll have your own faith story. And I'll never forget, before we left the church where I was on staff for 18 years, and um, we said, before we do this, we need to pay off our car. So we paid off our car, and everything was in great shape. And I mean, it was the car that I always wanted. Um, it was a um, 1984 Euro Celebrity and a Chevy. I, I mean, it was just really nice. Uh, they're classics now because you can't find them anywhere. But it's just one of those unique things. And I was driving home on a Wednesday night from a church service, raising support for the ministry of Royal Family. And coming down the 57 freeway, all of a sudden, I hear this big explosion. And here is the uh, motor just exploding. And I, I was able to coast down into a um, uh, off a, an exit and right, right there at that exit was a gas station and it, this was before cell phones so I, I had to call Diane from the um, uh, uh, telephone and I said babe you won't believe what's happened our, um, our motor our car is gone it just basically blew up and I, um, I know that God has something for us I don't know what it is but I believe God's going to do something great because you don't begin something without something happening where you have to be able to flex with the plan that God has, not your plan. And that happened rarely, happened real early in, in the development of Royal Family. So you just begin to understand these faith stories in your life and you begin to connect the dots and you say, all right, God. And, and the thing is, I can still hear Diane's voice on the other end of, of the phone going, oh, no. And I said, God has this. He knew this is just one of these situations we have to go through. And it's that type of confidence in the Lord that is built through years of understanding his faithfulness to you that you recognize that God will take care of all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There again, you're that. reflecting back on God's faithfulness. You know, you reflected back on the pieces that he had, you know, shown you as a young man, and then you were reflecting back on his faithfulness. And that's a great fuel to have. So that I, that's really a great way to sort of summarize, you know, how, how you went from, you know, the very first camp to, you know, now camps literally all over the world and 17,000 volunteers, and I'm sure it's more than that now, is, is um, prayerfully, because there's not, you know, some big government funding check that comes in that keeps everything going. You've, you've literally had to rely on God 
and his faithfulness and the support of his people all of these years. And you still do, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's how you it's know, the, 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 the stimulus program that God has is that he'll, he'll provide. The what God call, stimulus. <laughs> yes. God's stimulus program is totally different than any other stimulus program you have. Hey, you. Yes, you. I think you're awesome. And if you're not sure about that, then I want you to have a copy of my book, How to Get to Awesome, 101 Ways to Find Your Best Self. I want you to have it so badly that right now I have it offered on my website with free shipping for half off. It is only $6.48. Go to Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A dot O-R-G, click on books, and get yourself a copy of How to Get to Awesome. And the thing is, is that when you step out, God's people respond and they're happy to be part of helping create a vision. And if you can communicate the vision that God has given to you and then have some results along the way, you know, I mean, let, let's face it, Rhonda, everybody says, oh, we want, we want to reach all the kids in foster care. Well, maybe it's not my responsibility to reach all of them. I'm just supposed to reach the ones I'm supposed to reach. And that should be a continual growth chart that goes up. It'd be nice to say, oh, we'll reach them all. But the truth of the matter is that God calls other people to be part of what will take place in the kingdom. So we do our little part. and We, we challenge people to get involved in camping. Not everybody's into that. Uh, only a segment of people feel comfortable about being outdoors with mosquitoes and hot dust and lack of showers and you know all that stuff there's few people that can do that and they do it and they do it so well and they're so passionate about it i without god's people you couldn't do it so every dream always needs to have people that will come your way yeah i i love that um so many people have have sort of found their place, found their ministry within Royal Family Kids. It's it's such a beautiful thing because you know before I met you, Wayne, um, it, it was kind of a beef of mine that in National Child Welfare, if somebody you know wants to come alongside, they want to do something for kids what we would say to them, and I say we, you know, the collective we is, okay, uh, you can be a foster parent, you can be an adoptive parent, uh, you know, you can play in the golf tournament, you can write a big check. If you can't do any of those things, we really don't have anything for you. And so then I met Royal Family Kids, and you, there's never, ever a time that those words would come out of your mouth that we don't have a place for you because there's a place for everybody. So I want you to talk a little bit about the family structure that you create at camp and, and what that looks like and how people can plug in. Because remember, we're talking about kids who, um, I mean, this is National Foster Care Month. All right. And the month is almost over, but the needs of foster kids continue all year long. And, um, and we're going into camp season. 
And so anybody almost anywhere in the United States could contact their local royal family kids and you can go to rfk.org and you can find out where you could plug in. But talk about that family structure because that is so cool. Well, the first year at camp was atrocious. We thought we had it pretty well wired. I had been running camps for about 100 kids for the, from our church and community for probably uh, a good 10 years. And then all of a sudden, we started to do royal family, and we realized that we, we couldn't keep our same ratios of one adult to eight to 10 kids. Instead, the ratio is one adult at that first year we had one to three sometimes which was a disaster just a disaster now we have one adult for two kids you have two hands and with those two hands those are the hands that a kid can lock on to and you're not creating a, a, an odd person that you know that, that just is one of those things so we also recognized from the first year we needed more help from adults and we said, hey, we're family. Why don't we have a grandpa and grandma and an aunt and an uncle? And I'll never forget grandpa and grandma. Uh, the first year they wanted, grandma wanted to come and I just thought she was way too old. I mean, she was in her, she was in her mid sixties, you know, and I just said, no, that, it's gonna be tough. You're gonna be up, you know, so I just pushed her away. I'll never get the second year she came up to me and she pointed her, little crooked finger and she said Wayne Tesh you don't understand God's called us to be a part of this and you are denying us the opportunity and I said well it's really kind of interesting because we've been thinking how we could use people of your age grouping and she said well grandpa and grandma I said that's exactly what we thought so grandpa and grandma started in year two and then with grandpa and grandma we had aunt and uncle and it's amazing how many kids never have a grandpa and grandma. Yeah. And I'll never get grandpa coming up to um, uh, a little boy coming up to grandpa and saying, I've never had a grandpa before. Can I call you grandpa? And that just melted his heart. And from then on, he just was a different man. I mean, he, he just said, wow, I never realized. And they were teachers, but they never realized the issue of abuse. Um, people don't talk about it. It's a secret world that people stay away from. So we just said, hey, this is something we need. We need to expand and have people come. So we ended up with a photographer, woodworking, whatever we could think of. We, we asked people who had gifts and talents in that area to come and be a part to help the kids. And it's just been amazing what's happened across the country. When I see it now, I just I just smile. I know that God's doing something great, but it's just kind of interesting. That's all to, to see all the people. I think it's a beautiful thing because, you know, I, I came from a dysfunctional home. It was very abusive. And so I'm aware that most of the kids who will go to camp haven't seen a healthy functioning family. And so I remember right. that that I saw, I, I, I went to stay with these, with these people, turns out they were foster parents for a very short period of time, but they were this lovely church going couple. And I remember like, I'm waiting to hear somebody scream 
or call names or throw something or hit each other. And they never did. They actually acted like they liked each other. Yes. Whoa. Right? That was weird. Yeah. And, and, you know, like a disagreement. And I've, I've actually, I've had the pleasure of speaking to lots of royal family folks. And, and I, I've said, have a disagreement. Show them what it looks like. Because when royal family people disagree, it's, well, I was hoping that we could do a craft right now. No, I really didn't want to do the craft. Now I'd rather do the craft after. Oh, well, I was really counting on. Like, that's the fight. That's the whole fight, you know? And, and I want kids to see that you can just have a little conversation. That's a little disagreement. You work it out. Everybody's smiling. Nobody got hit. I mean, I can't express the value of that. Because what happened with me, I was just with those people of such a very short period of time, a week, not even two weeks. And they showed me there was another way to live. So royal family, I always like to say, uh, in that week that they go to camp, I mean, I'm just waiting for somebody to say, wow, what can really happen in a week? Because let me tell you, I'm gonna tell you what can happen in a week life-changing stuff happens in a week because when you get to see what a grandma and grandpa look like they're who are nice and they're patient and they'll sit there and teach you how to how to tie a a fly for fly fishing or or teach you you know sit there and play a board game with you for hours uh, or, you know, the aunts and the uncle type people and the birthday party that you throw. I remember that I never had a birthday party. My birthday was not recognized. I, they, they wished I weren't, I was never born is what I thought. So when I heard that at every single camp, there's a birthday party, there's celebration. I mean, for, for these kids, this isn't a week. This is an indelible mark that's left on their hearts. And I know as an adult meeting you and lots of different royal family people all over the country where I've had the privilege to go meet with them and speak and whatever. I mean, they treat everybody royally, you know, including the speaker who's coming in to speak. It's just a mindset and it's a way of life. So for those 17 plus thousand people who are actively involved, and then you add on the, the people who support the camps. So, I mean, how, what is it? Tens of thousands of people who are involved with Royal family. There's a mark on everybody's life and it's a beautiful indelible mark to know that you are part of the royal family, you know, that you're part of something bigger, that you're doing something eternal. And there's nothing more important to do than something eternal. I love when you've said there's nothing you can invest in that's more eternal than a little boy or a little girl. You know, I love that. And I just love royal family. I love what you've done. And so if, if in, the, in our last little bit here, if you could speak to people who right now 
are thinking, okay, well, you know, uh, my life as I knew it is over, my job as I knew it, you know, I don't even know if it's gonna exist when everything opens back up. I mean, this is, this is an opportunity, I keep saying, for people to hit the reset button on their life. Maybe you could speak to somebody who's, who's had a little nudge, they've had a little dream, you know, and they just have dismissed it. What do you wanna say to that person about, you know, stepping out like you and Diane did? Oh, Rhonda, when, when you think of where we are, you recognize if you have a faith that believe that God already knew that this was going to happen. He already knows how we can respond to this environment that we're living in. And people of faith need to realize as we look around, there are incredible opportunities in serving. Yes. You, every leader has to begin to learn what it is to serve. If you don't recognize how to serve, it's gonna come back and bite you over and over and over again. One of the things that I look at and I'm so grateful for that part of the life that God led me down this road was that I was an associate pastor for 18 years serving in a church. When you begin to recognize that, you begin to recognize what your values are. And one of the things that we really believe in and you talked about, if you've got to embody these values, you need to be able to put them down on paper. If you can't put your vision down on paper, you're not going to go anywhere. Mm. You don't want people just to talk about ideas. You want to see the idea in a business plan. Now that is going to change and everything, but at least at that moment, you know where, where you are. Um, it's important to have a plan. And with that are your values. And one of the things that we believe from the very beginning is that we need, needed to treat people royally, treat people royally, care for each other. I think that's important. Um, moments matter. Mm -hmm. um, that's key because we never know in God's economy when something's going to happen in, a in our lives that'll change us and change the trajectory of our lives forever. And then we've got to learn to keep moving forward. And that's the, that plot on just that, that's my favorite poem, Rhonda. Plot on, plot on, plot on, plot on. And the second stanza of that uh, poem goes like this. Plot on, plot on, plot on, plot on. It's that sense of moving forward recognizing you're going to be knocked back, you know, but you get back up and you move forward. And without understanding all these little things that are happen to, happening to you, it's all part of God's college experience of you going through life so that you're able to stand when it's your time to be on that stage for 15 minutes. You're there with confidence that God has called you for such a time as this. And then I think you, you go into God's word and you begin to understand where that is. And I think uh, Psalm 40 says it best. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings and he put within my heart a new song. 
That's what we call the abused child psalm. He lifted us up out of that pit and he gave us a new song to sing. And we are the ones that are able to do that. So I challenge people to get into God's word, to find out something that God has given to you that you can communicate hope and life to, to the people that you're, uh, people that God has brought you to. So I think it's just, you know, keep moving forward. Uh, recognizing every moment is important and you treat people royally. Uh, I think those are key elements that you need to have. Wayne, I love what, what you're doing. And I mean, you're so inspiring. And in, in our last minute, I think it's so powerful what you said about this. There's for such a time as this, you know, God has placed things in our heart and dreams and plans that he has. And, and, you know, in, in coaching, what you said is so powerful. You know, what, what do you value? What are your core values? Write them down, begin to, to write it, to say it to speak it, to put a picture, maybe it's drawing a picture, whatever that is, that is a step. And like you said, keep moving forward. I think that's, you know, we cannot be paralyzed in this season or any other, thinking that it's not a good idea or, I mean, we have to, to go from our heart and just move forward. And so I just love what you said about, you know, what, what your values are and, and, and really embracing it by, by speaking it and putting it down on a paper and moving forward with courage, I think is amazing. Yeah. Write the vision and make it plain and find a place to serve, find a way to serve and keep, keep just moving forward. And, and, uh, I, I love that you shared that, that poem Wayne, because, um, I always tend to think, you know, I, I kind of think big and I, and I, you know, I go straight to man, 13 countries, thousands of volunteers. Well, obviously it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen by year three, you know? And I think a lot of times we think uh, that, okay, we're gonna try something. And in this culture of <clears throat> instant gratification, uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a microwave life that, you know, we're gonna try something. And if it's not wildly successful within 32 days, we're just gonna stop and try something else. So I love that you shared that. You don't, you don't stop, you just keep going. And, and as you mentioned, you, know, you didn't have the grandparents right away. So I, from, you know, from a business standpoint, I think you, you look at it, you adjust, you, you know, every, every time you, you know, do something, you look at the, the results and you try to make it better and, and you just keep going like that. So I love that. So I'm, I'm just so grateful you've inspired me. I know you've inspired Jenny and so many people. Um, and, and I know, I mean, I could, I could go on and on about so many stories that people have shared with me about how they got involved with Royal family and then how Royal family changed their lives. I mean, you know, big time with the people who went to camp and some of them reluctantly, uh, anybody who hasn't seen the movie, it, it's called The Camp, right? Oh, Camp. Just Camp. camp not The camp. camp. So, I mean, sometimes it's reluctantly that somebody will go, you know, the, the, the wife wants to go, the husband's like, okay, you know, and, and you, you know, the, the stories of people who get there and just 
wow, their lives are changed and they wind up changing their major in college to social work or psychology. And, and uh, I, you know, the kids who now are grown and were so touched by their experience in, you know, Royal Family Camp and are able to talk about that. It's, it's, uh, it's it's just remarkable and uh and so inspiring so thank you so much for everything that you've done in your life for for all the service you know that you've done for these kids who um were so wounded and and received such healing in those moments that matter thank you appreciate it if you like what you're hearing, would you please give me a five-star review? That will help elevate this podcast in the ratings so that other people will see it and maybe try it out. See, together we can help people and by helping them to have a better life, we'll be helping to change the world. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I hope that you'll subscribe. I hope you'll share with others and, and just come alongside of us in helping people to live, love, survive, and thrive. See you next time.